Hey everybody and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking about popularity with Mitch Princeton, the John Van Cedars Distinguished Professor of Psychology and Neuroscience. You recently released a book called Popular, which dives into popularity and how popularity affects people throughout their lives. What made you want to take a deeper look at this topic? Yeah, it's funny. I can remember being interested in popularity from the time that I was a young kid. Even on the playground, I remember wondering, why are these kids attracting so much more attention than others? And why do these other seemingly you know, nice boys and girls, they can't influence anybody or get anyone's attention? I was always interested. When I was in graduate school, I started studying popularity as a factor that might be related to kids' mental health. But the more I worked on it, the more I found that popularity is something that affects us well into adulthood. And many of the same factors that we think about in school are still playing out even as we're adults. I think when you mention the term popularity, people immediately revert back to their high school days and have an idea of what that word means. But when you look at it from a scientific approach, what's the definition of popularity? Yeah, that's a great question because what we found is that we use the word popular to really mean two very different things. On the one hand, those people that we call popular are the people that we really like. We like spending time with them, we trust them, we think that they make us feel good and make us feel included. But that's very different than the kind of popularity that we think about immediately, which is often that high school image of who is cool and influential and powerful and and very visible. Everyone knew them. And that's another way that we use the word popular. This is a really important distinction because it turns out that those two different kinds of popularity lead to completely opposite outcomes. Those interpretations seem to be completely opposite of each other. I mean, it seems like people who are super influential and super powerful aren't always the most likable. Yeah, that's exactly right. We really talk about likability and status or more of that power and visibility. And people high in status are usually quite hated by many other people, so they're low in likability. The people who are high in status go on to experience a whole wide range of problems later in life, actually, not just those who were popular in that way in high school, but even today, there are celebrities and our CEOs and those most powerful folks actually have greater risk for relationship problems, addiction, depression, anxiety, and a lifetime of constantly trying to feed that insatiable appetite for more and more status. That's exactly the opposite for likability. High likability leads to all kinds of great outcomes. Why is it that humans seek popularity anyways? Why is it so important to us? Well, you know, more and more we're starting to realize that it might be something about our biology there seems to be a way in which our species was developed to be within a herd, within a group. And our position within that group was the difference between survival and an attack by a woolly mammoth. So, you know, it was really important for our brains and our DNA to be sensitive to the moment that we think we might be unpopular. So that's actually what's being found right now is that the moment you think that maybe you're not very well liked and you might get kicked out of the group, Your brain sends off signals and your DNA literally turns on and expresses in new ways to prepare you for injury. Of course, an injury that never comes now in 2017, but it has health implications. So 
there may be a way that we are caring about popularity at a biological level in ways that we don't even realize in the way that we think about it. So then if it's part of human nature, is there ever really a point where we don't care about popularity or is it something that we're concerned about our entire lives? Well, I mean, it's a great question. It, it seems to be that we care about popularity for our entire lives. We don't call it popularity, but we know whether it's human relations or whether it's our networking relationships, these are all the same dynamics that we experienced back then. They're just a little disguised. And so we, we care for a long time. And again, biologically, we really seem to, to uh, care a lot. But one of the things that's interesting is how we used to revert back to caring about our our real relationships and our likability, but the world has made it such now that we can, you know, live a perpetual high school existence where we're still looking for that wrong type of popularity, which is which is scary. What makes a person popular in the first place? Are there some characteristics that all popular people share? Well, it's a great question. It really depends on which kind of popularity you're talking about. High status, a really easy way to get there is to be aggressive and dominance to try and make others lower on the totem pole so you get higher on the status hierarchy. But likability is sometimes the more complex one. There are a lot of different ways to be likable. Being funny, being kind, certainly those are some ways. But a lot of people make one big mistake, and that is that they think that being likable means you have to be a pushover. You have to care about everyone and subjugate your own desires. That's actually totally wrong. The most likable people are actually our best leaders. They're very good at getting other people to move in the direction they want to. But what they do that's so clever is they listen. They pay attention to what the group is interested in, and they they move the group without disrupting it. They help to find that general sense of community, making everyone feel valued at once. And they lead in that way. Ironically, even though they've been quite influential in that circumstance, people then later regard them as being really likable and someone they want to spend more time with. And that seems to be the secret. In your book, you talk about how these childhood experiences with popularity can impact people for the rest of their lives. So what are some of these ways that our high school experiences could be influencing adults today? Well, whether we realize it or not, the experiences that we had in the hallways of our high school are changing literally what we see with our eyes and also how we interpret what we see. And and that sounds a little hard to believe, I realize, but there's been research where they've shown folks with prior histories of being popular or not a video where they can look at people engaging in different social interactions. What they find is that if you've had experiences of being unpopular, you literally spend more time looking at the parts of the video and the parts of the scene where folks are rejecting one another or potentially being hostile to one another, it's like we're wearing unpopular colored glasses that are filtering what we see in front of us. And and in that study that I'm mentioning, they had an eye tracker where they could literally see how much people would look at one part of the scene versus another. If you think about that, if you think about what happened in that one video and you extrapolate that to every social interaction you've had in your life, and you can imagine that some people are walking around seeing the world as a more hostile, rejecting place than it really is. And on the flip side, some people see it as much sunnier and welcoming than it really is. What are some of the big side effects for a person who was either super popular or super unpopular? Well, if you were really unpopular, then some say that you will have greater what we call rejection sensitivity. In an ambiguous situation, you are going to expect that you are about to be blown off and it will probably be because people are wanting to be mean to you. 
Um, that's not what people think if they've experienced average or popular kind of backgrounds. But I think what's what's interesting is that, you know, popularity plays out in, in different ways as well. So on the flip side, if you're high in the other type of popularity and status, there's research that says that you will constantly see the world through a measure of everyone else's status and how you compare to them. You will you will always be seeking people who make your status increase. One study was done and found that folks in their 30s who were really popular or not when they were in middle school, they continue to date people based mostly on how much those folks had high status. And when they were broken up with, they assumed it's because they didn't have high status enough. So they never really got over this impression that it's our popularity or that at least that form of popularity that continues to be important way after the rest of us think it was still important. Does popularity play a different role for men than it does for women? Yeah, a little bit. So the the relationship between likability and status is, you know, fairly modest for males. You can be both likable and high in status at the same time. That's not the case for females at all. So particularly in adolescence, there's no relationship between likability and status, which is to say that if you're high in status, you might be one of the most hated people in your school, particularly from other females. And that's pretty unfortunate because it, it sends a message about status to young girls that's pretty harmful as those girls grow up to become powerful women. It kind of suggests that if you want to be high in status, you're going to have to give up on having good relationships with others. And that doesn't have to be the case. And it's a shame that young girls get that seemingly get that message early on in some cases. What are some of the ways that we can change the way that people view popularity to focus more on the definition of being likable than the one of being powerful and influential? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we we really should be emphasizing likability more than we are. You know, back in 1980 and before, we used to be a culture that valued likability. In the book, I talk about one study that looked at diaries of folks earlier and, and later in our society. And a whole host of other measures that really show us how much we care about different forms of popularity. And all the evidence points to the same thing. Our current celebrity worship and our reality TV and social media, all things that are fun and fine, they all reflect uh, their symptoms of a much larger issue. And that is that our society has completely turned into a status-obsessed one. And I think the first step is for us to realize that and and do things that reward people around us that are likable, even if they don't have a lot of Twitter followers and they don't have fancy positions. There are lots of other things we can do too, but um, I'll, I'll leave it to folks to check out the book to get that in much more detail. Otherwise, it would be a horribly long answer. How do you think social media is impacting this? I mean, it's not like it was 20 years ago where it was all about sitting at the cool kids' table at lunch. People are concerned with how many followers they have on Instagram and how many likes they get on a photo. So how is social media changing the way that we view popularity and how popularity could be affecting people? Did you know that there are now makeup companies that sell makeup designed to help you look better in your selfie? There are now teen magazines like Tiger Beat magazine and things like that. They have cover stories that explain to 12-year-olds how to become social media famous. And I have read these in service of the book. And they say that if you feel down and awkward and depressed and lonely, as many adolescents may at one time or another, the answer to your adolescent woes is to follow the instructions to get as many Instagram followers as possible. This is scary. This is concerning. This tells kids 
that their value as a human being can be measured in the number of their likes. And I, I don't think social media is bad. I think there's actually a lot of great things on social media, but this aspect of social media is something we should be really concerned about because let's face it, while teens are focusing on it really overtly, we all know those adults that do some of that stuff too. And I think it's not just kids. We're all susceptible to thinking differently about the world now. People are on the news with their Twitter handles listed under them. People are cited as a measure of their integrity and their knowledge base as having the number of their followers listed next to their name. This is a weird world we've stumbled into, and I I think it's time for us to wake up and think about it. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. And don't forget to check back to unc.edu in two weeks for another episode of Well Said or subscribe on iTunes and Android apps.